Those are tough words to hear, aren't they? God will take everything in this life and work it together for our good. Now, when things are rolling fine on our roller coaster of life, and we're... Anybody like roller coasters? My people. I have never met one tall enough, fast enough, long enough. Okay, I love them. But sometimes... As we're going along in this life and it's kind of a plateau, maybe it's a, maybe it's a cruise time in life. By the way, the Bible never says to have a cruise time in life. <laughs> it says to always gain knowledge, always work, always seek God's face. To be like Moses. And when, when God asked Moses, I love this, when God asked Moses in the Old Testament, he said, he said, what do you want? He goes, I want to look at you. Can we get there? But when we're cruising along in this life and things are going great, it's easy to have faith. Right on. But when tragedy strikes, the track looks like it's going to derail you. Maybe you are derailed. Maybe, maybe you just got your whole world flipped upside down and not completely off the track. This is the type of faith that John Piper was talking about that Paul had. Incredible amounts of faith. Gigantic. But I want to say welcome to Connection. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Connection. And we're very, very thankful... And happy that you chose to join with us today. I got up this morning, and you know what the first thing in my mind was? I get to go to church today. You know why? Because I love this place. I love God's people. Not that Connection is a superhero church above all others, but this is a place where broken people assemble, realize they are broken. We seek a perfect God to heal us. And we're messed up. We are met. You're sitting. Don't, don't look at them, but you're sitting beside some messed up people. And so are they. I woke up this morning and the first thought is, I get to go to church today. And it gets to about Monday afternoon, and I'm being very real here. It gets to about Monday afternoon of my week, and you know what goes through my mind? Man, I miss those people that I only see on Sunday. I miss being in fellowship. Can you imagine how awesome heaven's going to be? <laughs> Always constant fellowship with all your brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, but we have a job to do. I hope that your heart this morning is open, that we can... Last week, some of you were very kind. You said, you said your sermon was really good. <laughs> and, I th- and I said, but... He said, it hit like a ton of bricks. I said, hey, <laughs> I understand. We don't like to talk about that last word right there. Most of us, if we could, we just delete it from Webster's Dictionary. We just delete it. We don't like to suffer. We don't... I said last week, I spoke pretty, pretty heavily against how spoiled we are as Americans. We have first world problems. Do I want a number one or a number two? Do I want to supersize it? Of course we want to supersize it. I was, talk, I was thinking about this last night. My girl said something about they wanted to watch a movie, so we had movie night. And we're going through, we're going through, you see this first world problem here? We're going through, Netflix is loaded with movies. And, I, and, and, they, and, they, and they couldn't decide, and I, and I said to them, I said, do you realize how lucky you are? That you even, number one, have a TV, let alone different choices of movies? There are people that in this world that don't have Netflix. Now, I have a seven and a four-year-old, so this is their reaction. They don't have Netflix? 
No, some of you, some of you younger people, you, you might lose your head. Is that the jet, Jet.com when they had the people exploding brains? Oh, I love that commercial. You might, you might, you might find this crazy. You ready? You want to know how old I was before I had a cell phone? And I'm not that old. I was 23. <gasps> if I said that to my high school students when I used to teach at Wayne City, they would have thought that I was a liar. There's no way. We were born with cell phones. We have first world problems. This morning is the fourth week at Connection. And if, you're, if you've been a part of us uh, for a little while, on the fourth week, we take up an offering. This is for Connection people only. We're not asking you to give, to give an offering um, if you're, if you're a visitor, but we're going to pass some popcorn bags. Why popcorn bags? Because we have a lot of them. <laughs> so, so we're going to pass around some popcorn bags. For the people in Connection, this is what I want you to do. We're, gonna, we're looking for this. We're looking for dimes and nickels and m- maybe spare change. What we're going to do is we're going to take that offering. We're going to go back. They're going to count that. They're going to bring it back up to me. At the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to, to take one of these bags. You're going to go give it to someone in our community, and we're just going to bless them. And you think, you're going to give away cash? Yep. Why? Let me ask you one question. If somebody walked up to you and handed you a bag of money, would you take it? The answer is yes, no matter what you say. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to seek to bless them, show them that God can meet their needs wherever they are. If you're taking an offering, um, I think Colton's going to help if you, if you need to. Just, uh, as the offering, as the bag goes by you, and, and please, listen. Maybe this offering, maybe this bag is going to go by you, and you don't have a nickel or a dime to put in. In fact, you say, you know what, man, I need 10 bucks to make a final water payment or, or electricity. This is what we want you to do. Connection wants no part of, the, of this money. We want this to go to the community. And if you need it and you're here, then you're here for a reason. Some people beside you are not going to look at you differently. If you need that money, you slip your hand in there, you take what you need. We have given this money to God, it is, it is for you. So as they continue to take the offering, I want, you to, I want you to listen to this again. I'm going to read these words that were on the screen one more time. And we're not going to put them back on there. I just want you to listen to, just listen to this. Have you ever said anything like this? This isn't fair God. Maybe you went through something very hard. I, t- I spoke last week about the time that Mary and I went through with not being able to get pregnant and then we lost the baby. It's very hard. It's very difficult. This isn't fair. If you, if you don't think that I said that, you don't know me very well. Because I can tell you right now, just as David argued with God, I, was, I argued with God awful. God, this is not fair. We are trying to live our life for you and the only thing that we get is Problems. Yet God, through that, has worked through our suffering for the good. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Something else that I said is, why would you ever, this is the person, maybe you, maybe me, talking to God, why would you ever, ever, ever let me go through such a hard time? I don't want to downplay your problems or downplay my problems because when I'm going through the storm, my problems are huge, right? Yours too? When we're going through the storm, our storm is huge and that mountain in front of us is gigantic. Into perspective, I want you to do this. The next time that you, want, that, you, that you want to seek out God and you say, God, I am really, really suffering. I want you to read the book of Job. Now, just humor me here. Job loses everything. And in fact, he's enticed by his friends to just curse God so you'll die and quit. Just curse him. 
Just stop it. And Job says, no. No. No, because God is good even through everything. Just because I can breathe, God is good. If I die tomorrow, God is still good. He is. Things are not fair, but God, why would you ever let me go through this? If you are a God of love, then why is there so much pain and hurt? That video that John Piper, when he gave that answer, it's phenomenal. We are like a vapor. You show you how fast it is? I'm a year older than I was last week. Had a birthday. Come on, people. Listen. Listen. We are not here very long. We are not here very long. So this suffering, he says, he said, we will suffer for a little while. But can it, when it's compared to the infinite joy and happiness and worship in heaven, we are going to literally look back and go, man, do you see how we are poof gone? Some of you, if you're, if you're retired, if you're past retirement age, if you have, a, if you have grandkids or great-grandkids, you say, man, how in the world, how in the world do I have grandkids? This was so fast. How have I been at my job for 20 years? How have I been at my job for 30 years? How, how, how does this happen? And if God wants us to be happy, which He does, why do we have to suffer? I had somebody ask me last week, why are you talking about suffering? Seems depressing. <laughs> why don't we just look at the fun things in Scripture? Why don't we look at the things that are, that are really, really applicable? Listen, there is not much more applicable than suffering in this world outside of these doors and in here. It's everywhere. You are going through it. Someone in your family is going through it probably right now. I made a reference last week to a mountaintop and a valley experience. You, if you've ever been to church camp or you went to a revival or maybe someday, man, I'm telling you, sometimes they happen right here for me. I see, I see people and they're, they're honestly worshiping whether they close their eyes. I see some people tearing up when they read these words of how God loves them and we raise our voices in worship. That is a mountaintop experience. You know why? You know why I wanted to get back to church? I missed you, but I missed that. And I worship on my own. If you've ever passed me and I've been worshiping, you'll see, you'll definitely know. I've got water bottles as drumsticks. I keep both hands on them. We try to. But I said, the mountaintops are fantastic. We would like to stay there. The problem is this. There are, now I know some of you are going to, you, 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 you just try to prove me wrong. And I'm not talking about the smoky mountains. I'm talking about the rocky mountains. Okay, Something tall and pointy. There is such a thing called the tree line. There's not much growth past that line. Yes, there are little bitty bushes and stuff, but that's what I'm talking about. A huge giant tree does not grow on the top of a mountain. Where's the, where, where's the growth? It's in the valley. Now, we do not like to hear that because, oh boy, neither I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We do not want to talk about the valley. We don't want to look at the valley. But if you look at a valley, if you, if you go on 64... Or you, you drive down towards Atlanta on 24. You get, you get out there and you, you start going through some hills. And you go to some of those lookout points. This is gorgeous. It's beautiful. All the trees on the bottom. But guess what? If our spiritual life is the same, those valleys are when we grow. If we're always up here, 
There's no trees that grow. So as we walk through the valley, you know why there's mountaintops in our spiritual life, I think? I think as we walk through the valley, and, and it's literally sometimes and imminently the, the valley of the shadow of death, and, and we can look up, and we can see these mountaintops spiritually in our lives. You know what I think it should do for us? It should pump us up, and you know what it should do? It should remind us that God is still there, and especially there in the valley. He carries us. He carries you. He's carried me. In Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at some scripture this morning. We're going to be in Matthew 5. If you are familiar with Matthew or the New Testament, you are going to notice this, this verse of scripture instantly. This is one of the most famous sermons ever given in the entire history of the world. I'm going to share the first part with you today. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. So if you're with me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Prefacing this, see, why do they call it Sermon on the Mount? Because he's probably sitting on a mountainside or a hillside and he's teaching. Why didn't they have it in a building? Let me tell you this. He had too many people to be in a building following him. He taught where he was. This is an unbelievable first two verses. We get into this. Look at this. One day, Matthew 5, 1. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him. And he began to teach them. If we just buzz past this, all we think is, well, Jesus is walking, he saw a huge crowd. Hey, this is an opportunity to teach. Let's go. Watch. He went up the mountainside. Okay, he's putting space between him and the crowd and he's taking his disciples with him and this is a huge importance. This is a big deal. Now we're not told of this conversation because it instantly starts with the sermon. We're not told of this, this conversation that Jesus had. But in my opinion, and I'm not a theological doctor or thinker, but in my opinion, looking at the background of these verses, Jesus took his disciples away and he probably again... And I say this because there's other references to it. Again said, what I'm going to be preaching about today is going to be sharp. The application of what I'm going to say today is not good for your health. Now you think about this. We have first world problems switching different movies on Netflix. These guys, Jesus literally probably told them, as he did earlier and later, he said, listen, if you follow me, there is great reward. After you get out of this world. Because you're going to have people that hate you. In fact, every single one of Jesus' disciples died for their faith. Or as a result of them following him. Every single one. Uh, The crowds were beginning to arrive. Jesus takes time to teach his people. His inner core of friends. We talk a lot about mentoring here at this church. When we are able to one-on-one put truth into people. I mentored a guy one time. A couple years ago. I mentored a guy that was 20 years older than me. Wow, Matt, you are a spiritual genius. No. No, here, this, is, this is what happened. I was able to share some stuff about the Bible with him. You know what he was able to share with me? Life experience. If you ever talk with anybody that's been through this, share this with them. If you've ever done this, share this with him. He taught me about his, his Bible reading plan that just inspired me. 
things that he's leaving behind for his kids after he goes out of this world. He's preparing to leave a legacy of God-honoring life. This isn't without suffering. (laughs) It's not convenient. But Jesus here takes these people, these guys, and he told them this. Now, you you think about this. It's a nice sunny day. It's going to be 80 degrees today, sunshine. Wear sunscreen, okay? Wear sunscreen when you go outside. Enjoy the day. Man, well, God doesn't want us to be happy. God created an entire playground called Earth for you to play in. Go play. And while you're doing it, if you get to contact somebody that doesn't know Christ, share with them who he is. See, we, we, get, to, we get to just see all this stuff. But imagine... To take, to basically, to rip us out of first world America and you plug us into being these disciples. Now watch this. Now you don't hear go play. Jesus doesn't say go play. Listen to what he says in this scripture. He probably says this. Guys, I'm telling you. You're not going to experience glory and fame. They're not going to have your face on a coin or a bill of currency. There's going to be people that just want to annihilate your existence. This is not about getting rich. These men, literally, and, and I, I, say, I say valley, I reiterated the, the, the word valley for them. These men, for the rest of their life, would not just walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They would literally walk through the trenches of the valley of the shadow of death. They were hunted Just let that sink in. They were literally hunted and chased down and killed for their faith. Look at your worship handout with me. If you have your green piece of paper, check out the first first blank. When is the last time you looked at a time of suffering as a time to trust God even more? Now let me tell you exactly how much sense this does not make. In America. We, we, we say suffering is bad. It's bad. Listen, I'm not going to tell you. John Piper pointed out, as he is, John, John 11.35, Jesus wept. He was a man of sorrow. He wept for towns that he knew would not turn back to him. He, he, he would weep for people. This time of suffering is a time to trust and I, want to, I, want, I just want to put this this way. There are many different levels and layers of spiritual maturity in any church. And, and, and this, is, this includes ours. Many different levels. Some of you that have entered the more mature level of Christianity, and by the way, that's not age. Spiritual maturity does not have to deal with age alone. Some of those people in here that have experienced this, this level of spiritual maturity, that you can actually look at this and say, that's right, but it's not fun. That's right, but it's not fun. When is the last time that we looked at a time of suffering as a time to trust God even more? I see Facebook. And believe it or not, there is good on Facebook. I see it from some of you. It's awesome to see. But you know what I'm seeing? Do you know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing people that I meet with face-to-face or on Facebook, and they're literally giving accounts of this being real. This, is, this, is, this goes against everything First World America says. Everything. We shouldn't suffer. Man, we shouldn't suffer. 
But to, not only to acknowledge that we're going to suffer, but to step out even more and say, God, watch this question. What can I learn from this? What are you trying to teach me? How are you trying to mold me? Guess what? If you've been through something and God's got you out of it, do you know what you have? The ability to share with somebody else how good God is on a personal, intimate level. No one can take that from you. No one. Imagine Paul being, being beaten and he's like, oh, but I saw Lydia in Philippi become a Christian. Bam, bam, bam. He just keeps getting beaten. And he said, oh, God, if you take me out of this world, I'm just going to be with you. It doesn't matter anymore. Our minds are so not operating like this on purpose. We have to seek that. We go through times, often we cannot get, um, often, th- oftentimes whenever I've been through this, this is something that I had to realize. Some of us, it's a huge shot. If you have a problem with being egotistical, guys, we don't read the, we, we don't read the suggestions or otherwise known as the directions often, do we? We have a hard time. Don't elbow your mate. Don't text your boyfriend. But if you're lost, do you stop and ask for directions? No, we're guys. <laughs> How many people play a game called, I'm only going to take one trip in the car from Walmart and I'm going to carry all the bags that I can in one trip? My people. <laughs> See? We just have this, I'm going to take care of this mentality. But I'm going to tell you, in these times of spiritual suffering, you are in a place where you cannot bench press your way out of it, you cannot deadlift your way out of it, and you cannot carry 5,000 bags in from the car at one time to get out of it. This is something that takes you and you cannot, you are in a pit and you cannot get out of it yourself. Guess what? That was probably on purpose. Because when you get to a point where you have nothing else to do but to trust God, watch Him move. When you take everything out of this world except God, in the morning when I die, in the morning when I die, give me Jesus. You can have all the things of this world. What do you want me to do? Give me Jesus. I love that song. Give me Jesus. He's enough. We have to rely on Him in the good times and the bad. Look at verse 3 on the screen with me. Or in your Bibles. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Now, (laughs) go up to a starting point guard or quarterback and say this. God blesses those who are poor and realize that they need Him. The humble. Hmm. Go up to LeBron James and tell him. I saw, I saw, there was a video on ESPN. He was walking in to play the game in the finals last night. He had all kinds of cool things. He got a 17-piece Armani suit. He makes more money than most of us will ever have. And he said, it said, LeBron James looks like a million bucks. And he said, that's an insult, considering he makes 23 million this year. Think about this. If you can, go, can you go back to verse 3, please? There we go. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize they need Him. Now, if I ask you, who wants to be poor? I don't care what level of the social economic system you're on. No one would choose, if you had the choice to choose between having enough money and not having enough money, we would probably choose, we're in first world America. The The lowest, poorest person in America is a king in another country. It 
this, this verse completely contradicts what we think. And I thought about this, and I came up with this. This verse, literally, verse 3, literally contradicts this world. God blesses those who are poor and realize that their need for Him. This is what we see climbing the ladder of success. Now, that's important. You should do your job and do it well. God gives you a job, do it well. Okay? But we, this completely contradicts the way that we think. And the more I thought about how that contradicted, this contradicts the entire mindset of this world. Completely different. We say, give me. Jesus says, serve me. Uh, it's different. It's completely different. Look at verse 4. Let's see how much, let's see how much this one makes sense. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. <laughs> you imagine being one of the disciples? There is so much, Jesus probably literally just said these verses, and they are just full, full of information. He says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is weird. This is why I thought it was weird. <laughs> Only people who mourn or cry get comforted? Look at it, look at it. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. Then it says, God blesses those who mourn, or they're poor. Then God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In order to be comforted, I have to cry? I have to be sorrowful? What in the world is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that those who understand that they need God, and they search for Him, will find Him. You see... This world, and sometimes us, want to make God this, this he is utterly complex, he's, he's elementary simple. We cannot explain him with our minds, yet we can accept him with our hearts and our mouth and our, and our eyes. We, God, we love you, you're here. The Holy Spirit's here. This, is, this, is, this, is, this just goes against so much stuff. Yet he's, he, he, we want to say, well, why did God let this huge hurricane or happen? Why did God let this tornado happen? Why did he do all this stuff? Why? He just, he's just allowing all this suffering to happen. Why would God let bad things happen to good people? Bad things happen to bad people too. But when God goes, in the Old Testament, when God passes the mountain... And he wasn't in the wind. And he wasn't in the chaos. And he wasn't in the loud booming. The Bible says that he was a still small voice. Do you know why he says that? Because sometimes you have to be intimately seeking to hear that voice. You have to seek it to hear it. You have to intentionally get on his Bluetooth connection to hear it. Get on his Pandora station. Jesus would have never said that. They had no idea what Pandora was. Look at, look at verse 5. He goes on. He said, God blesses those who are humble. For they will inherit the whole earth. What? Listen. Okay. <laughs> just, just cruise on this one with me for a while. Verse 5 says, God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. I was taught this lesson in a very difficult manner. Very difficult manner. It's not a story for today. It's very, it was very hard for me, to, for, for me to do that, to hear that that way. And if you want to know, I'll share it with you later. God blesses those who are humble. Listen, you don't watch ESPN 
and see people hit walk-off home runs and put their heads down and run the bases anymore. This is what they do. Jose Bautista got punched in the jaw because he bat flips too much and slides into people. Listen, they hit a home run and they, woo! They throw up the bat. They, what is the deal? I hit a home run one time and I looked at the pitcher. I hit a home run and I smoked it. And I'm running out down the first base and I did this. I ran around the bases, win a game, everybody goes crazy. My dad met me at the corner of the dugout. Not good. He wasn't clapping. He was not smiling. I said, Dad, we're going to go out, we're gonna go out to a restaurant and we'll be home later. He goes, I'll see you at home. No, 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 no. I'm 18 years old. I'm a senior in high school. I just had a walk. I said, I don't know if you'd notice this. <laughs> I just had a walk-off home run. You should be proud of me. Can I have some money to go get a milkshake? And he goes, no, I'm going to see you in the house now. Then you can go eat. Fine, whatever. So I tell my buddies, I'm going to be late. I don't know that I'm going to live past this. I'm just kidding. And I go home, my dad meets me in front of the back door. I open the screen door, you know, you're, you're looking to toss a bag down. I open the door, my, there's my dad. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> this is not good. And he said, do you know what you did? I said, what? I hit a walk-off home run, Dad. Call your mom and dad. Tell them your grandson hit a walk-off home run. This is what you should be doing. He says, if I ever see you show up a pitcher and you look at him after you hit a home run, you will never play that game again. You talk about a hard lesson. I said, Dad, I didn't do anything. He goes, you know exactly what you did. He goes, you hit an 0-2 pitch from a left-handed hitter that was a down-and-in curveball about 375 feet. He made a good pitch, but you made a good swing. Don't you ever mix up competition with having to look down somebody and downplay what they did because you were successful. I've never forgotten that. He said, when you hit one, you get a base hit, something good happens, you put your head down and you run. Now, not everybody was taught this. You fast forward four years later, I hit a college walk-off home run. Woo! I'm not an all-star, but I hit, I hit a home run. We won a game in college. That's a big deal. They all gather around the home plate, and they're waiting for you. And what happens in that circle, unless you're in there, I'm not going to explain. Okay? It's, it, it's just, it's wild. It's a wild time. Okay? But I, I was coming in, I'm like, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> My dad was at the game, and he met me at the corner of the dugout again. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is not going to end bad. Now I'm like 22. I'm like, this is not going to be good. I'm dating my wife. I'm saying, oh, this is going to be embarrassing. My dad's here. He's, he's coming in. There's athletic trainers that are right beside him. And he comes in and he said, that's the way you hit one. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you never looked at anybody. And that was the furthest ball I've ever seen you hit. You just did it. Do your job. But our, our world... Listen, you watch, an, you watch an NBA game or any professional sport. This stuff happens. This humility thing. This is not okay. We don't, dis- we don't want to display humility. I try to think of one of, the, one of the most... He wasn't the most profound person on TV, but I, I'm gonna, those of you that are, that are of this time in history, you can, probably, you can probably okay this with me. Muhammad Ali was arrogant. I'm the greatest. He's standing in a ring. 
Now, I wasn't alive during a lot of any of these fights. But anyway, he would stand, he would stand there and say, hit me. And they just hit him and hit him. Have you heard him talk lately? Don't let people do that to you. Don't box. I'm just kidding. Listen. And so, but he, he would stand above people. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm the best there's ever going to be. And then there's this 20-year-old kid that came through in the 80s who was knocking everybody out named Mike Tyson. He has a Nintendo game after him. He is a big deal. I don't care if you want to argue Holyfield or, or Frazier or, or Ali. I don't care. But Ali says, I'm the greatest. Surely a person that cleans the toilet at Connection is not the same as Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is not a follower of Jesus Christ. If you want to talk about spiritual, spiritual stuff, a follower of Jesus Christ, that connection that vacuums the floor or cleans a toilet, is a joint heir with Jesus Christ in heaven. This, it is about humility. Just, I will never forget that lesson of my dad saying, just put your head down and run. Just run. Just run. Jesus is explaining here something that Paul would say later in the New Testament. I love these things. I love how, how Jesus does this and Paul reiterates it. You know what Paul says later in the New Testament that, back, that backs this up? I believe it's Galatians 6.14. Everything good that's happened to me is because of God. It's not so I can boast. It's not about me. Paul, listen, Paul was probably a mangled guy. He's beaten senseless. Yet his humility, he, Paul says, for me to die is going to be gain. I'm going to win. Man, look at verse 6. This is, if you want to get a verse out of this, and you want to take a verse, and you want to dissect it, you want to put it up in your mirror, and when you wake up in the morning, every time you go to the bathroom, look in the mirror, I want you to look at this verse. Look at this. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. This is an unreal verse. Jesus is speaking this on a mountainside to these people. Now to these people, they say, well, if we hunger and thirst for Him, we're looking and we're, and we're searching for Jesus, you're right there. Jesus is not on this earth anymore. So what this says is that we have to intentionally, intentionally seek out to get through some of this suffering. Have you ever had a time like this? This is not for public announcement. Have you ever been through a time like this? If you didn't have God, you wouldn't be here today. Anyone? <laughs> if I didn't have God, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't. I'd be in a cemetery. Well, that's kind of hard. Yeah. You don't know me. We have to seek God. And sometimes we walk through this life and go, man, I wish God would just move this mountain. Maybe this time He just wants you to go around it. Intentionally seek His voice. Sometimes He moves Him out of the way. You and I have seen that. I've seen God literally not make sense mathematically on paper. I looked at my bills. I looked at what I owed. I looked at the money coming in. One of these things is not like the other. Money going out, not the same as money coming in. And I said, God, we have... And I'm telling you, somehow, 
I have no idea how. God used other people. He used different ways. I was seeking to do all the work that I could. And he literally took our money. And I think he did this. I think he went like this. He just stretched it. He put people in our life to help us. It was people that had been through what we had been through. I remember one of those guys. He, he came over to my house and he said, he said hey, uh, I know, I know you're, you're, you're hurting financially. And I said, okay, yeah. <laughs> I was like, can I do this? And he goes, I'm not going to give you money. I got sticks in my yard and he picked up. Right on, let's go. I was willing, willing to do that, willing to work. Willing to ask God, to seek God. How can I get out of this? I'm told about prayer requests quite a lot. I was told about one before church. It's, it's fine. You're not overwhelming me. I don't, say, I don't say that to say, oh man, you're just overwhelming me. Listen, I get told about prayer requests a lot. And I want to show you some of the ways that, I, that I've asked God to get you out or me out of this time of suffering. I pray for you as I come to church and every day during the week. All of you. All of you. If you don't think anybody prays for you, you're wrong. I do. I love you. We're in this together. We're a team. I want to pray for you. I want to support you in prayer. Sometimes I pray with people on the spot if I have time. If you ever need me to pray for you. I'm not a, I'm not a, I can't like call on a special side of God that only pastors have access to. I'm just a guy, but I'll pray with you. If you need help, you need prayer, you come talk to me. I'll pray for you. If I have time, I'll do it right then. I have intentionally sought God's voice. (laughs) I've intentionally sought God's face to be involved in your life so that it will get better. I've 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 spiritually I'm not gonna tell you the day that I do it or that when I do it, because that's not it's not for you. But I've fasted for some of you. I've given up food. I like food. But here's the deal. I wanted God to see how serious I was. God, this person needs you to move that mountain like it's, they've never seen anything moved in their life. And I'm willing to do without something that I really love so you will please listen to me. Listen, I fasted. For some of you, I've laid on my, on my floor in my house on my face. God, the ultimate Ultimate position of humility is laying face down. You're completely susceptible to everything. God, please, please, please allow me, allow someone to help move this time of suffering on. Look at your worship handout on the next blank. In our time of suffering, we must seek God's direction. We must lean on Him in our times of need. Some of you are in your mind, if you're music people, lean on me. We have to. We have to lean on Him. We must. We must. The book of Proverbs says to lean too. It says, don't lean on your own understanding. You know why? We're really good at solving problems, aren't we? And the survey said, eh. No. God is. We have to lean on Him. When we seek God... Contrary to popular belief. How many people have done this? Say, well, we'll we'll pray about that. God answers that prayer and you say, wow, God answered a prayer. We're we're surprised. 
Now, he may not part the waters. Like we want him, God, I need this specifically to happen right here this way. He may answer it this way. But he's still listening. What hurts us is, well, you must not have understood me. Listen, God is there and he understands you. He understands his people because he made you. We need to keep seeking God. Some of you say, well, I've been seeking God for a long time. Keep doing it. You have no idea. You have no idea how intimate he wants you to seek him. And he's thinking, man, you keep seeking me. You're going to have the spiritual muscles to go past this next thing that I have for you to go through. And you can't imagine the people that's going to impact for the glory of me. You can't imagine. Keep seeking him. Keep seeking him. Look at verse 7. He goes on. God blesses those who are merciful. For they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. For they will see God. He's giving examples of characteristics in this life. That show a life that please God. This is where it gets really tough for us. Those people that hurt us. Those people that say bad things about us. Those people that don't like us. Forgive them. Right now. Don't wait. Forgive them. Well, I can't. You have no idea. (laughs) Some of you would say that louder than that. You have no idea what they have done to me. Were their sins not forgiven by the same blood that Jesus poured out on the cross as yours? Forgive them. This is so difficult. Listen, I have these people. I went through a 12-step process with Celebrate Recovery to get past some of this stuff. I lost a job. Completely not my fault. I saw that person. I said, I want you to forgive me. I didn't do it out in public, but I talked bad about you at my, in my house, and you would never know about that unless I told you, and I wanted to tell you that I'm sorry, and I should have never done that. I lost my job. Job! You know what that person told me? I may not have been the best boss. I want you to forgive me too. I was like, wow. But we need to seek and give mercy even if they're not sorry. Justice and mercy are different. If something happens to me or my family and someone else does that thing, what do I seek? Justice. They should be punished. Punished. When that same thing happens, but instead of happening to us, it happens to someone else, and our child or a member of our family is the person that did that act, we beg and grovel on the floor for mercy. It's different. Forgive them. Jesus is not saying anything easy here. Do you want to see God move in your, in your life? And I mean move, move. I don't mean move. Oh yeah, God. We had worship service on Sunday. I mean move. Move you to a different level of spirituality. Move you to a different realm of being able to serve and listen to God. If you seek Him, that can happen. Look at verse 9. God blesses those who work for peace, for they be called the children of God. <laughs> oh. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, the last thing that enters your mind is peace. 
you're driving 55, I know that none of you do that. If you're driving 60 on Route 15, somebody pulls out in front of you going like 25 and they wait till you know, you're at least a hundred yards from them. The last thing that enters your mind is peace. Road rage. I've never witnessed any of you road raging. I've seen some posts on Facebook. I'm just kidding. Sometimes, sometimes this, this, is, this is in a really sharp word. It's about being divisive in your job. It happens in church. Listen, this is a key ingredient to not have God move. Quit stirring the pot. If that's you and you like to do that, quit. Quit. Maybe you, maybe you just go in and you just like to, at the morning at work, and you just like to get them going. Quit. Seek peace. Would you rather work in an environment of peace or in hostility? Just giving great life advice here. Hurting people hurt people. So I beg you, don't take your hurt out on someone else. Find the guy, listen to the guy, pray to the God that can forgive you and get over it. Look at verse 10. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Oh, yes. This is the verse that I wanted to... No. It says no one ever. Listen, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Oh, yes. Can you imagine the pain in Jesus' mind and heart? Probably during this day, right before he gave this sermon, and he looked at all of his disciples that were sitting around him, and he looked at them in their eyes intimately and knew exactly how they were going to die. And he was the cause of it. But somebody had to do that, because if they didn't do that, the gospel never gets spread, and you and I don't have a prayer of sitting here right now. Look at verse 11. God blesses you when people mock you. Hmm. And when they persecute you, and when they lie about you, are you kidding me? Look at the mathematical spiritual equation that's here. God blesses you when people mock you, they persecute you, and they lie about you. Somehow these three equal God blessing you. This doesn't make any sense. Okay? This is what, this is what he's saying here. He's saying, and, and all those say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Jesus says something even more difficult in this verse. He says this, forgive them again. I don't want to forgive them. I want to knock their head off. Forgive them. Forgive them. Jesus hung on a cross and looked out, and it's quoted in the Bible, forgive them, God, Father. They have no idea what they're doing to me. And he cried out in agony and pain. Look at verse 12. <laughs> next, time, next time you get to a train, read this one. Be happy. Are you kidding me? Mount Vernon should make an overpass for the train. Okay, don't. We're not getting that argument. <laughs> be happy about it. Are you kidding? When people talk about you when they do this, when they say these things, he says, be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets who were persecuted in the same way. You can look at how God moved. Elisha and Elijah were heading up a hill. There's two kids. Evidently, Elisha was bald. They said, in the King James Version, I believe they say, take up you bald head. That's just an insult in biblical terms. You know what happened to the kids that said that? There were bears that came out of the woods and ate them. True story. I don't say the bears are going to come out of your woods and your house. But what I'm saying is when people, when people 
go against you. Maybe they don't agree with you. Maybe they're mean to you. I was told this a long time ago, and I wanted to share it with it. I wanted to share this with you. If you're being persecuted because of your walk with Jesus Christ, you're doing it right. If you are being persecuted because of your walk with Jesus Christ, you're doing it right. But there's another side to this. If you aren't, you're not a threat. There's a TV preacher that I that I that I watched, and he had a sermon, and he said, he said, I want. I want Satan to understand when I wake up. And his reply goes, oh no, he's awake again. He goes, I want to be so on fire and seek the face of God in such a way that everybody around me, I can share my faith with them. I want people to see that even though we do go through times of suffering, that God is always good. He's always good. Look at your last blank on your worship handout. Look at this. The words and actions of other people can hurt you very deeply. There's some of you that understand this right now, right today. We must realize one thing during these times of suffering. We have to lean on God and understand the hope that we have in heaven. Listen, this is you. you you're sitting here and you're going, man, this is me. This is me. This is me. I'm going through this. Don't quit seeking. We should beg God, to, like Moses did, I want to see you. Not with eyes that our eyes physically see. If you, you can't. You die. You can't see it, but you can see him work and move. God, I want to see you move in my family in such a way that I'm willing to seek you on another level. Even in my time, especially in my time of suffering, we have to lean on him. These verses of Scripture do not say anywhere happy. They say blessed. There's a difference. There's a difference. Happy is seasonal. You can be happy until you meet a train. Blessed that you have the vehicle to travel in is a different story. These verses don't promise laughter. They don't promise prosperity, riches, or even pleasure. The word blessed means that you're taken care of by the creator of the universe. And he is still God. Will always be God. And his way will always happen. We have uh, the Touch Someone's Life gift. I'm going to hand that out real quick. All right. Okay. We have a, a very special gift. Um, we have a hearing aid. <laughs> if this is yours, just, it got dropped in the bag. Just come and get it. Um, for those of you that, that, aren't, that aren't familiar with, with Connection and, and what, we, what we do on this fourth week, we seek to make an impact. We ask for dimes and quarter. You heard me say that. 189.28. We, people just seek to, to meet needs. Okay? This is not the only time that you can do this, by the way. Senior cup of coffee is less than a dollar at Hardee's. Okay? There's all kinds of things that you can do. A quarter to a person that only has a dollar and the machine's a dollar twenty-five. Okay? Um... Billy Baldry, Susan Johnson. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know how these, how these gifts get passed out, you take your worship hand out and you flip it all the way to the middle. There's a Touch Someone's Life gift story. You can find out how these gifts are impacting people's lives. Listen, I know that talking about suffering is not fun. Believe me, I know. <laughs> We're gonna have one, we have one more week. 
talk about suffering. Then we're going to jump into something else. But seriously, if there's something going on in your life right now, I want to pray for you right now. Okay? I want to pray for everybody and we'll be dismissed. But I'm just going to pray over everyone. I don't want you to raise your hands. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. And then that time, I'm just going to ask God to work in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the worship songs. God, we thank you for Jack leading us in the band. God, we thank you for the sunshine that you have provided for us in our playground today. So beautiful. God, when we look at this sermon on the mount that your son gave on this earth, it goes against and contradicts most of our mental capacity. It asks us to do things that we don't necessarily want to do. And in this room right now, God, it's far too many people for somebody to not be going through this. God, there's suffering in this room. There's pain in this room. Whatever that pain is, God, I am begging you. God, I pray in the name of your Son that you work in these people's lives. That they understand that the only way to get out of this pit is to rely and lean completely and totally on you. You're the King. You're the healer. You're the sustainer. You're the sovereign God of everything. And we ask you, God, to work in our lives, to begin to work through this pain that some of us have had for a long time, that we can literally, God, let it go. And we can get out of this pit. We love you, God. Thank you for today. Thank you for letting me see my friends and my family at Connection today. In your name we pray. Amen.